The other he dropped before the hungry dog, taking care to evade its snapping jaws. The first idly nosed the offering, while the starving one had snapped it up almost before he had snatched back the tongs. The first dog continued to sniff its portion quizzically for some time, before slurping it up with its tongue. Now the rats. He unhooked the top of each pen, placing the morsel before each one. The starved rat leapt up, its claws and teeth scrabbling for bare flesh. But when the bread landed, the famished creature gobbled the whole thing in one gulp. Meanwhile, the fat one sniffed its portion fastidiously, then turned away from it. He thought for a moment, then took the honey he had brought and spooned a little over the bread. The rat returned, sniffed consideringly, then started upon the bread with small, precise bites. He took to his chair. He waited. The starving rat was first. Within a few minutes it began to twitch and squeak piteously. When he held the candle above it, its little jaws bared involuntarily. A few moments later, its whole body spasmed as if it were being stretched on an invisible rack. When this passed, it thrashed about and clawed, first at its belly, then at its face, until it was taken by another violent seizure. This brought back the rictus grin, but also caused the rat's head and spine to bend backwards into a hideous, trembling arch. It gasped for air, producing a pathetic, breathless hawking. He watched, fascinated, as despite its weakness and hunger, it fought vainly against its fate. By now the cadaverous dog was in distress. It forced itself up, pulling against its leash, and coughed up a thin spew of yellow liquid. Within two or three minutes it was unsteady on its feet and had begun to froth about the mouth, choking and gasping. It staggered a few steps and fell, lying on its side, one front paw clawing at its neck and chest, the other scratching uselessly at the wall. The well-fed hound began perhaps ten or fifteen minutes later, whimpering and barking as the burning began in its stomach. To his surprise and satisfaction, the fat rat symptoms came last of all. It too began to writhe, its little body rolling around and convulsing in its cage. He watched them all silently as their struggles waxed and waned. The starving rat succumbed first, falling upon its back as a series of final spasms finished it off. The dogs continued to writhe and bark and whine. He looked up at the small window, his concern that they might be heard outside getting the better of him. He tiptoed up the broken steps. Outside the street was filled with night sounds and traffic. He need not have worried. He descended again, listening out for barking, but the creatures were now quiet. When he re-entered the room, the hungry dog was in its last struggles, surrounded by a pool of filth. The fat one had quite given up. The smell was unpleasant, to say the least, but the result was just as he had hoped. Hungry or well-fed, they had all succumbed more or less at the same time, and in the same way. A step closer, he whispered to himself, and gave himself up to a moment of exaltation. Part One
Chapter 1 I stood on the south side of the Thames, over the water, the locals call it, by London Bridge, looking at the North Bank. They say it is one of the great sights of the world. It was certainly one of the most congested. Lining the shore, wharves and warehouses crushed against each other, and below them the sides of the slick, viscous river were crowded so deeply with ships and barges that only a narrow channel in the middle remained, through which, nose to tail, skiffs and steamships all passed. In India I had seen wider rivers and bigger vistas, but nothing compared with the scale of human activity upon and around the banks of the Thames. Only the view upwards at the high panorama of the city, the dozen needle spires and the dome of St. Paul's reaching up out of the smut gave any sense of tranquillity. I turned away from the river and jostled my way down...